farmer's daughter. Take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. Our own studio backlog. You're looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. You don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to? Come inside. What's advice? I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. Inside. What do you think is on it? I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by, I guess, only Derek. Uh, Amir is not with us today. Yeah, it's kind of a shame because uh, this one's a lot of fun. Tonight we are going to be talking about. Ty West's new horror slasher film titled simply X. It stars Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Martin Henderson, Scott Mascuti, Brittany Snow. Yeah, his first film since 2016, right? In uh, five or six years. Uh, his last movie was The Western in a Valley of Violence, a good six years ago. That movie was a very big departure from him. He's primarily a horror director, but yeah, this one was a big return to form for Ty West. I really, really like this. I caught this uh, last week at South by Southwest in Austin. It was just a great experience, just in a whole theater full of people who were anticipating this movie. I got to meet Ty West. Oh, cool. Yeah, we went to the after party, the A24 after party. That was great, too. I got to say hi to Kid Cudi, Brittany Snow. Uh, Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega weren't there, but um, it was fun. It was a great time. And I don't know, maybe we spent a little time talking about Ty West. Are you familiar with him at all? It's going to be a really little time, Jeff, because uh, I <laughs> this is actually my first Ty West movie. I know he's done some like big movies that I just haven't seen. Like I know he's done a segment on VHS and the ABCs of yeah, Death. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen either of those. 
those are probably the two biggest that I might have seen, but I haven't. So it's like, yeah, this is kind of my first exposure. But I mean, I, I'm curious, like, what is your history with his filmography? And I mean, it sounds like you typically like his horror stuff. Yeah. So I've probably seen almost everything he's done. I haven't seen the 2005 movie, The Roost, or 2007, The Trigger Man, but I've seen almost everything else. He's best known for The House of the Devil and The Innkeepers, which was 2009 and 2011, respectively. So he has roots in mumblecore. Do you know what mumblecore is? I've heard the term, but if you can enlighten me a little bit more. Yeah, so mumblecore is like this... A lot of people mislabel it as a genre of film, which it isn't really. It's like this movement of filmmaking, you know, like this explosion of technology and accessibility. And like the late aughts, like 2007 through like the early 2010s, where a lot of like independent filmmakers took advantage of technology being cheaper and more affordable, just getting like their friends together to shoot movies. So a lot of like these indie film directors that we know, they're like mumblecore directors. So Ty West is one of them, Adam Wingard who directed Your Next. Have you ever seen Your Next? Yes. Oh, no, no. I'm thinking of It Follows, not Your Next. Sorry. No, I don't think I've seen Your Next. Okay, yeah. Your Next is really good, too. Like, the Duplass brothers, Joe Swanberg, who else? Barry Jenkins, believe it or not, is one of those. Amy Simetz. Yeah, so a lot of, like, these indie directors got their filmmaking start there. And Ty West is one of those horror directors. So, like, there's a play on the mumblecore word. It's called mumble gore. So it's like the <laughs> horror version of mumblecore. A lot of his movies, like, I think they're kind of divisive. So like mumblecore is, you know, your budget's low. So you carry your films through like dialogue and character work and the certain like independent sensibility. And people saw like the house of the devil and the innkeepers was like, well, nothing fucking happens in these movies. So they're <laughs> a little bored by it. But like a lot of the character work is really strong. And then, Ty West, he has, like, these crazy endings. Uh, the House of the Devil more than, like, the Innkeepers. But he also had that found footage movie, The Sacrament, which was about, like, this cult and people, like, doing a new segment on it and interviewing this cult leader. And he always has these, like, crazy, crazy third acts. This is probably his most, I wouldn't say, like, formulaic, but, like, it's a little more accessible than his other movies. If you have issues with his other stuff where, like, you think it's boring or it's too slow or nothing happens, this is a little more traditional slasher do you like slasher movies i mean especially like watching this movie the one that really came to mind for me was texas chainsaw massacre yeah yeah for sure i remember loving that oh man it's been i don't know it's like what it's been like 20 years since that came out right the one with jessica biel i remember watching that one i remember generally like oh, like the remake have you seen the original the remake no i haven't seen the original but i've seen the um oh, remake okay, with jessica okay, okay. Biel. slasher is a genre that i am not the biggest fan of uh, when it comes to horror like i'll watch them but i i'm not either actually i'll watch them i'll enjoy them typically not like my favorite movies i think when they're done well i think they're really good mm -hmm. but typically you know it's just like teenagers getting killed you know yeah it kind of gets old really quickly mm -hmm. i like the new scream just fine um did you see that yeah yet? Yeah, there's different layers to that beyond what a slasher movie typically gives us. And that's why I really enjoyed the new one. Yeah. Um, and why I typically enjoy most of the screen movies, actually. Yeah, this has very, very big Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. I mean, first of all, it mm -hmm. takes place in Texas. Yes. And on a farm. And like a on a farm. <laughs> they run afoul of the people on the farm. It's very similar. And also, like, another thing that I think people miss is that 
the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not that gory. Mm-hmm. It paints its antagonists in a more empathetic light. Not that they try to humanize them too much, but like there's notes of empathy there. And this movie's kind of like that too, you know, with Howard and Pearl, the two characters, the old couple, right, who yeah. terrorize mm-hmm. these kids. But yeah, I mean, to give the synopsis, so this is a movie about a porno shoot. <laughs> so Basically. these actors and actresses and filmmakers, they go to this rural farm in Texas to shoot an adult film. And basically, their hosts are this couple, this old couple, Howard and Pearl. And Howard gives them the warning that, oh, don't disturb Pearl. She's very reclusive. And she's very sickly. And then they try to follow his advice as best as they can. But then the shit hits the fan and things get really, really bad. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the film? Did you like it? Normally, we dive into our thoughts first, but I'm I'm glad you gave the synopsis first because I think there are parts of this movie that I really, really like, but there's definitely parts that I didn't. I would say that the parts that I really enjoyed were actually the first two thirds of this movie, right? Where this kind of guerrilla camera crew trying to make this porn on this like secluded farm, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea is that this is in the early infancies of porn in like the home market. So they're trying mm-hmm. to make this movie, which is hilarious. I think it revolutionized the industry, right? I love this kind of commentary on the camera guy or the guy who's like the director thinks he's making art, right? RJ? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he's going to make the best porn in the world. And like, this is going to be art and like, it's going to be elevated. And the people that are like a part of it think that they're going to be like stars. Mm-hmm. And I even like this very sex-positive conversation that this part of the movie has, right? For sure. For sure. There's a lot to talk about with that because yeah, the sex positivity is definitely something that's different about this movie. You know, the slasher genre in general, especially in its beginnings, it has that, you know, sex equals death trope, right? Mm -hmm. Randy from Scream, he's the one who cemented that term. You have sex, you die, right? And, I mean, don't get me wrong, this movie still has that. Like, they have sex, and they do die, and it's because of that sex. But it's not, like, judgmental in that way, I feel. Mm -hmm. It feels like these characters are not killed for, like, their sins. It's something else. And this movie is very, very sex positive. The things it has to say about, you know, creating this art. I think adult films and horror are kind of, like... I mean, Ty West mentioned it himself that there are two modes of filmmaking that are kind of on the outskirts of like the mainstream entertainment, mm-hmm. and he wants to like draw the through line between those yeah. two, and and I really found that interesting. And I think you've kind of already hit some of the points. Is that I'm actually not the biggest fan of the horror element of this, the slasher element of this film. I think it's a little formulaic, and this is not usually a fault. I try not to have this be a fault every time I watch like horror movies, but like it is pretty predictable, like what's going to be happening to a lot of these people. I think it's set up cleverly where a lot of these setups are paid off. Mm. You know, he sets up Crocodile early in the movie. He sets up, there's something in the basement, right? And something's going to happen in the basement. And, you know, so like all of these things kind of get paid off. Um, Some work a lot better than others for me. But ultimately, like, I really like the first part, but then I think it kind of falls flat when the slasher part happens. But then I do really love the very, very end, right? And and I love mm. the relationship that he builds between the Maxine and Pearl character, mm-hmm. which is so fascinating that, like, I didn't know 
that it was played by the same actress until the end. Right? Yeah, saw both the credits played by Mia Goth. That's so cool. And then it really hammers home the parallels between the characters. And I think it was a great choice to have her play both parts. Yeah. Um, but before we get into really specifics of what we did and didn't like about this movie, I'm curious. I narked on the horror element. Like, did you particularly like the slasher element of this movie? I like the slasher element of this movie. I mean, here's the thing with this movie. Like, it knows the tropes it's playing with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it plays it straight. And other times it twists it around. And I do think when it twists it around, it's a lot more interesting. It definitely plays with your expectations. You know, like the idea of the final girl. You know, Mia Goth's character, Maxine. She is the type of girl who would typically die first. In these movies, right? Because she's yeah. like, oh, snorting coke. She's trying to be this porn star. This is like her first adult shoot. Mm-hmm. People love to like pass judgment on, you know, like drug users, promiscuous women. This is the type of character that would these old school slashers would unleash their judgment upon, right? And they'd be the first to die. But spoiler alert, she's the one who lives throughout this whole yeah. movie, right? Yeah, and I think it's kind of great that they play with that, right? Because she's like the first one in the movie to go off on her own from the group, right? right? And she ends up in the house and I was like, oh, she's fucking dead. (laughs) She's toast. She's the first victim, right? And to your point, I seriously thought for a good chunk of this movie that Jenna Ortega was going to be the hero, right? Like the innocent. Yeah, I mean, they definitely like play it up that way, right? Mm Because she's, you know, the good girl. She's innocent. She's like the sound technician on the the shoot. Um, She's like the good girl, you know? Yeah, and they call her the quiet mouse or whatever. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah, like, I was convinced, you know, for a good chunk of this movie that she was going to be the only one or at least one of the people Mm -hmm. that come out alive. But, I I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. I think Mia Goth is a great lead. And I've never seen her anything, you know, like before this. So, like, uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, she's great. So, I kind of discover her in this movie. Yeah, everyone's great in this movie. Mm -hmm. Brittany Snow, I thought she was really, really good. Yes. Uh, definitely a role that I've never seen her in, you know? Yes. And I think all three women in this film are really, really good. Mm-hmm. They're all in different stages in the industry of like this adult film industry. And I think that's such a fascinating comparison. And it's all portrayed in like a very positive light. Yeah. Shooting these adult films, it's either like liberating or you're just trying to pay the bills. And there's a sense of pride that they take in this work that... Uh, usually don't go along with this profession in films, right? Or, mm-hmm. or at least in storytelling. And I thought Lorraine, played by Jenna Ortega, had like the most interesting arc in this movie, you know? She's a sound technician, right? And she's not really a porn star or like an adult actress, but she's tempted by, you know, like the freedom that Maxine and Bobby Lynn, they feel like shooting these adult scenes with. I love fucking Kid Cudi's name in this Jackson Hole. So fucking funny. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even know that was Kid Cudi. Like, yeah, yeah, Kid it, Cudi, so, yeah. It, like, I didn't really know that much about this movie walking in, you know? Like, I've seen okay. the trailer, but I didn't know it was, like, Kid Cudi. And even, like, from the trailers, I, I thought it was going to be Jenna Ortega was going to be the lead. And then, like, that threw me for a loop. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot of unexpected twist for me, at least. You know, thinking that I know movies as well as I do, but I don't. Uh <laughs> Yeah, because Jenna Ortega's had like a great year too, you know, because she was absolutely co-lead in the new Scream. She was also in that movie, The Fallout. She's had a big year, so like, oh, like she's the final girl. She's gonna make it out of this alive. But they definitely uh, threw you for a loop by uh, killing her off in the end, which was fantastic, by the way. I really like the ending. But yeah, you're right. I think some of the kills, you know, like they do revolve around 
these people making stupid decisions and like yeah kind of just standing there waiting to be killed but i don't know that's kind of like the territory of these kinds of films so i don't fault it that much these are old people like do you really expect them to do the things that they're going to do to you you know what i mean right 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 especially like the kid cuddy jackson character you know goes out into the swamp you don't expect a guy to like shoot you right (laughs) yeah but sorry to go back to the jenna ortega character I, i completely agree like she is one of the most fascinating characters. Like, I love that she mm-hmm. is like this like soft-spoken character at the beginning who doesn't really say much, but really uses her, the way she acts and like her facial expressions to like go from like someone who's really judgmental to, to someone who becomes completely open with this idea. And then like, and I mm-hmm. love that we were saying this very sex positive movie, this exploration of like, well, can I do this? Like, I want to do this. You yeah. know, I want to be a part of this process. Um, I really like that about her character. But uh, for me, actually, the most interesting character was the Mia Goth character. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Of Maxine, right? So there is a device that is used throughout pretty much this whole movie where we are watching this sermon, right? Being Mm -hmm. televised by this evangelistic Christian pastor spewing like, God this, God that, and, and, you know, you're going to die of your sins, basically. Mm -hmm. And, like, I wasn't too sure what to think about it throughout the whole movie. Like, it brings it up multiple times, right? Like, you see at the very beginning of the movie, I think you see it played- In the house, you know, you see it played, I believe, at the convenience store, you know, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And and then we also get the Maxine character that's reciting these affirmations to herself, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want this, so I'm going to get this. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to be a fucking star, you know? That's yeah, what she I'm going to be the star yeah. of this. It worked out perfectly when, at the end, she recites the exact same line right over the taping. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that she is actually that pastor's like daughter right yeah 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 right and like the idea that the pearl character kind of being like we're the same person right like i know who you are where you come from we're the same person and for her to like be listening to this and taking this sermon in and then having that person be the father of like the character like that completely works for me and i think it hammers home the ending to this movie really well yeah, it's great. I love that. And like puts her whole journey throughout the film in a different light too. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know that about about her, right? In yeah. the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And at first you just have her playing off of uh her fiance, right? Uh Martin Henderson's character, Wayne. Who's very sleazy but also kind of charming too. Right. Um, yeah. For like movies about porn and stuff, there's usually some guy who's just like a complete scumbag, but they kind of dance around that trope too. They don't really have someone who's just a complete asshole, you know? They're all very respectful of the women. I mean, except for uh, Howard and Pearl. But yeah, I, I think uh, Mia Goth's character is, is, is fantastic. Yeah, but also the relationship between Lorraine and her boyfriend, RJ, right? She's like, oh, maybe I want to do this porn. And like, he's the one that comes closest to being an asshole, right? He's very controlling. He's like, oh, you don't want to mm-hmm. do that. He wants to make this like high art, but yet he yeah. doesn't want to allow his girlfriend to do it, right? Because he yeah, definitely yeah, has yeah. a perception of what this industry is, which I think this movie is trying to say is like, it's not what you think. Mm-hmm. There is a level of confidence that comes with this. And yeah, like, again, I really, really like the sex-positive message of the first half of this movie. Yeah. Talking a lot about what we liked. I mean, I think I brought it up. I think I wasn't overly impressed with really any of the kills in this movie. Maybe the only one that I kind of liked was the pitchfork through the wall. Okay, I loved the pitchfork through the, the wall. Pitchfork through the wall, okay. Just because <laughs> of the fucking smash cut. 
That is such a great smash cut. I think mm-hmm. that got everyone in the theater. I don't, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Yeah. So in the movie, Lorraine is stuck in the basement. Um, Howard has locked her in the basement. You know, she's like snooping around and she's been locked in the cellar. And she hits the light switch. It's one of those pull down string lights, right? You pull on the chain and the light comes off. And like mm-hmm. when she hits the light, it smash cuts to Wayne getting a pitchfork through the face. And it's so loud. It's such a masterful edit. I fucking love that. It was so yeah. funny. Everyone was howling in the theater. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I mean, the kills are okay. I think yeah. uh, you knew someone was going to get eaten by like a croc. The alligator, right? the crocodile. Or the alligator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually thought it was going to be the Jackson character, but once it wasn't him, I'm like, oh, okay, it's, it's either going to be Britney So or Mia Goth or whoever, you know, doesn't survive this. Yeah. Even like the Jenna Ortega death, it's like off screen, right? You don't really like see oh, it. Oh, I love that because I wasn't expecting it, you know? I kind of was because then you have this very like tropey, let's not separate, don't go that way. And like you kind of fully expect her to not live at that point because of the character is making a terrible decision. But it's also what I don't like sometimes about movies is we get this opening. The very opening of this movie is that it's like the police already investigating this scene of the crime, right? It's kind of laying all the clues to mm-hmm. be looking for. Like, you know, someone dies near the door. You know, there's something in the basement. You know, someone dies right outside the house. I was already kind of expecting these things. So it takes away versus like if we didn't have the beginning, maybe I would have been a little bit more surprised, right? That she gotten blown away all of a sudden. I mean, I thought she was going to die when she tried to open the door. So I was pleasantly surprised when, like, he doesn't actually kill her and just breaks her fingers, right? I think that was more surprising to me than her actual death. The framing device of this movie didn't really bother me that much. Uh, By the time the ending rolled around, I forgot where all the bodies were in the beginning anyway. Yeah. And, you know, like, that whole ending, everyone's, like, around the same area, too. Like, Howard, Pearl, um, Maxine, and Lorraine. Like, you don't know which one's which. And Lorraine's death really did catch me off guard because I, at that point, I still thought that she might be the, the final girl who got out alive and, and everything. That's fair. That's fair. I do want to switch gears and talk about Howard and Pearl a little bit. Sure. We're like, they introduce these notes of empathy for these characters. You know, it's like this take on lost time and the loss of beauty and the jealousy that comes with that, which I mm-hmm. found uh, very, very interesting and and a a little deeper than i expected from a movie like this yeah there was that really tender sweet moment where you know she's like you know i don't look beautiful like you don't think i look beautiful anymore and you know he affirms to her like hey you are still beautiful to me like yeah there are very as weird as these psychopathic grandparents are like uh there is some tender moments between those two characters yeah i mean it's so sweet that like you know howard fucks pearl on top of the bed while (laughs) <laughs> Maxine is under there. <laughs> so my uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things is that Howard keeps alluding to, one, he has a potentially bad heart and like he doesn't want to have sex with her, right? Because he doesn't know if his heart can handle it. Yeah, he's afraid his bum ticker is going to kill him. Yes. And then two is that he keeps saying like, oh, we need to go find my wife because... If she falls down, she might break her hip. Yeah, and then both those things happen. Both those things actually happen, right? Where Uh uh, the Jenna Ortega, after she gets shot, has like a a post-mortem gurgle, right? Mm -hmm. And that basically sets off and 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 kills him. And then when Pearl tries to shoot Maxine, Maxine, she just can't handle it. She gets flung through the door, which was hilarious. And then she's like, Uh "Uh, my hip. (laughs) Yeah, she breaks her hip. 
very, very funny. Those are the two things I wasn't expecting. Like, uh-huh. out of all the depths that I could see, for some reason, I couldn't see those two. Like, I couldn't see Howard was just going to die from, like, a heart attack and Pearl was going to break her hip. Even though, mm-hmm. like, the movie in itself was kind of warning us that's exactly what's going to happen to them. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really fun and really clever. Yeah, but I thought they painted them with a bit of sympathy, which I mm-hmm. which I liked. And one moment that I actually really liked, which I never expected, was uh, Bobby Lynn's cover of Landslide in the middle of the movie. Uh, you know, the Fleetwood Mac song. Yes. I'm, like, so sick of that song. Like, I hear it all the time, and, like, I'm sure people hear it all the time, too. But it was actually really sweet, and it kind of, like, brought the themes of the movie together. Mm-hmm. Which I really liked. And she has a great voice. You know, she's like in the Pitch Perfect movies and everything. She's like, yeah, in the Pitch Perfect movies, yeah. I mean, and that's Kid Cudi playing the guitar. So it's like. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> like the two musicians. And, you know, like the lyrics is like, oh, even children get older and I'm getting older too. Yeah. You know, like it, it applies to the movie. And, and like, is it on the nose a little bit? But it, it is. But I, I, I liked it. It was, a, it was a great character moment. It does take me out of the movie a little bit just because I know, like, you know, the thing I know Britney Snow from the most is Pitch Perfect. So it's like it kind of <laughs> takes me out of it when, you know, I, I was like, oh, we're giving Britney Snow like a singing moment. But it was really nice, well performed, really tender. So like, I don't yeah, really yeah. I don't really hold the movie at fault for that. But I mean, you've already mentioned it before. Like Britney Snow is like great in this. And I've been kind she's of really waiting. good. I'm hoping this is kind of like a little breakout role for her because like I mean she's been in a lot of, you know, teen rom-com things and like we've already said she's like mostly in like uh, pitch perfect movies, so it's kind of great to see yeah. her in like this really charismatic role in this um in this horror movie. Yeah, she does like a lot of these supporting roles and like a lot of thankless parts, I think. Um but she's so good in this. She's like this confident adult entertainer and it's not like this part you see her very often in. she's great in this she's so good to your point earlier about connection between like horror and porn uh-huh. i love that final line at the end where they find the camera and they're like what do you think we're gonna find here and we know it's a porn right because we've been yeah. seeing them shoot a porn but then the guy says a goddamn horror movie you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, one goddamn fucked up horror picture that's yep, what he says yep, yeah, yeah yeah i thought that was really good really really good yeah, so uh, this is an A24 movie, and, like, mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, A24 has, like, this aesthetic, even though it's a distribution company. This is probably, like, the most straightforward, like, A24 movie. I think A24 has done a lot in, like, the last year or so to, like, mm-hmm. kind of dispel the myth that it only distributes a certain type of movie. Because this is yeah. a very straightforward slasher and I hate to use the term like elevated, but it's not like what people say, quote unquote, elevated horror is. Think about the other kind of like A24 quote unquote horror movies they've released. I mean, we we talked about Hereditary, we talked about Midsommar. So yes, like the aesthetic is a little different. I mean, this is going to sound terrible, but like when I came out of this movie, I was like, huh, I feel like this would have fit under the Blumhouse banner better, <laughs> right? Because you're completely right. Like I didn't feel like an A24 movie, but at the same time, like, I don't know. It doesn't really feel like Blumhouse either, though. But I feel like Blumhouse is like more leaning towards that kind of like typical slasher. I mean, I know that they've done Get Out and Us and everything. But like when it comes to A24, I kind of expect that artistic nature to horror. Like without Mm. saying elevated, I guess, where this wasn't that. But it's not that this was a bad movie. And I'm glad this is like under A24 because like I feel like that partially gets 
certain fans in the seats for these movies, right? Like you see an A24 movie nowadays and like people are like, all right, it's A24. I'm going to go watch this A24 movie. Like it invokes a, a bit of confidence for me. Yeah. Um, versus other studios right now. I like how it opened up in a misleading kind of way too, because you think that it's like this, uh, this movie that's shot on, you know, like eight millimeter. Yes. Uh, the four mm-hmm. by three aspect ratio. Yep. Right. But then it plays this little trick where the four by three frame is actually like the barn doors mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. the farm. So it's not really like that aspect ratio. It blows up wider into like the widescreen um, when we go outside, which I, I I thought was a great little flourish just to tell you that maybe this movie is not what you're expecting. You know, yeah. and I did really like that, but you still do get the four by three when they're actually shooting the porno. So yeah, you get the best of both worlds, I guess. <laughs> I'm very curious. Did they make you stay after or did everyone stay after the movie? Well, my experience was different because I was at the premiere and yeah. then Ty West and everyone, they came up on stage and they presented the after credits to us. The so teaser, we didn't really right? have, yeah, the teaser. We didn't really have much of a, like a choice. Like we, we were all like waiting for the Q and A and everything. And before the Q and A, they brought out the, the prequel teaser for, for the Pearl movie. So I had no idea that there was going to be a teaser at the end of this. And I left. Oh, you left. Yeah. Because you I wouldn't know. Like, what, yeah, I, yeah, what, yeah. what would I expect from this, this movie? a horrible movie, you know? Uh, so I'm now finding out that there is a teaser. So did you catch the bootleg? Yes. Luckily, like, I've seen on YouTube? a bootleg yeah, yeah, yeah. version of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, by yeah, the yeah. time you hear this, I don't know if it's still there. But I have seen this teaser. And I'm really happy to, like, see that he filmed this extra, like, secret prequel movie that nobody really knew about until now and that it's also starring Mia Goth and it's a prequel because it's when Pearl was younger, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so I, I find this super fascinating. I'm kind of invested now, right? Like I did really like this movie. Hopefully that comes out soon and we could check that out too. Yeah. At first I was like, is this real? <laughs> Are they yeah, actually right? doing this movie or is it just like a fake trailer they put together? Yeah. But apparently it's real. So yeah. That was great. Did you go see this by yourself or did you take your fiance? No, my fiance did not go with me. So, yes, I went by myself. It was hilarious because every other patron in there was a couple. Like, it, mm. this was definitely like a very, like, couples like to go watch horror movies together. So, every other patron was in a couple and I was mm-hmm. just there by myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. I really, yeah. really enjoyed this movie in the end. Of the it. prosthetics around Pearl are really good, too. Like, yeah. I had no idea that it was Mia Goth. Me neither. Until Ty West came out and, like, Part of the Q&A was like, oh, it seemed like Pearl was wearing like prosthetics and like, uh, who's the actress? Ty West was like, oh, you should keep it a secret. But it was actually Mia Goth. And then like everyone was cheering and it was it was really great. Oh, so because they didn't play like credits. It doesn't say in the credits, I don't think. I thought it does. Does it? Okay. Yeah, because no, it it does. Because I remember I saw it in the credits. I was like, oh, shit. I think now probably... They didn't play it in the credits for you guys, so you wouldn't give the secret away. But like, Maybe. I think now that the movie's out, it's definitely. I don't in the remember. Yeah yeah, 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 it's definitely in the credits. It, it took me back because I was like, "This is definitely prosthetics." Like, it's not the best because it's overly exaggerated, like old people makeup. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pearl and Howard, right? I was interested, like, oh, who's playing Pearl? And then when it shows up, Mia Goth is Pearl and Maxine. I was like, oh, all right. Like I said earlier, that kind of clicked on another level for me and like yeah. even added more to this movie. The actor who plays Howard, he's like closer mm-hmm. to that age. He's 63. Yeah, he is. He played a lot of the orcs in uh, The Lord of the Rings. 
Oh. <laughs> He's used to like the the prosthetics, I guess. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but this is the best slasher I've seen in years. I, I really like it. Like, I think half the kills are great and the other half are just okay. Mm-hmm. I could take or leave Bobby Lynn getting eaten by the alligators. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the only one who really got taken out like a chump was uh was jackson kid cuddy's yeah. character just, just getting shot. shot like that uh it's fine whatever everyone in the theater had fun yeah yeah and i liked how rj was trying to like include these artistic shots and then all the other actors and actresses have like their own take on it like they're filming um uh jackson like pumping gas yes and yeah it was I so that funny, was funny because bobby lynn was like Hey, shoot it from this angle. It looks like he's using his Well, just the funny thing is like he thinks that's like artistic, but then nowadays we look at that and be like, that's porn. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. I, I actually really did like the shot when Maxine's swimming in the lake. Yeah. And then we just get that huge overhead shot where and we just see the alligator just like gaining on her. Yeah. I thought that was really well done suspense-wise. Because, again, I was just like, this is it. She's the first one to die. Like, She's yeah. got to be the first one to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She makes it out. And then I realized, I was like, oh, okay, well, someone's dead by that alligator eventually. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to bring up? I think Howard and Pearl are great villains. Mm-hmm. There's that gross-out factor, which kind of straddles the line between, like, ageism and having a little sympathy for them. This whole movie, like, walks on that razor edge of exploitation. Mm-hmm. just having a little fun with things like that but uh, it, it walks that line very very nicely i think it does a very good job straddling that line yeah and the whole thing of them you know like the jealousy and the rage that it brings out in them like seeing these beautiful young people having sex bringing out these feelings of envy really driving home the effects of time that's really like yeah sanded these two characters down to what they are now you know i i I thought i thought that was good i it's a nice through line to the movie that you know slashers usually don't have and i i like that a lot oh actually one thing we didn't talk about is like what they finally revealed is in the basement Uh uh-huh and it is a another victim that has been chained up and i'm guessing used for sex because that's what it seems like pearl is lusting after uh-huh. I, I don't know. Is that Was that your interpretation? Because, I mean, his pants were down and, like... Yeah, I don't think they really explain anything with that. Yeah. Um, at first, I thought it was RJ, but it wasn't. What it wasn't, yeah. You see that he's still dead later. Yeah, like, I thought it was just, like, someone else that they have kidnapped and, like, was using for whatever reasons. Yeah, but you're right. It's not explicitly said. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's implied that you can kind of interpret it that way because... You know, Howard has a thing where he tells Jackson, like, the temptation he's causing Pearl and stuff. We definitely see that Pearl's longing for, you know, a physical connection again or physical interaction again, so. She's horny, man. (laughs) Yes, she is horny, yes. (laughs) To simply put it, she is horny. (laughs) But yeah, I I thought all of that really worked. Mm -hmm. Howard, Pearl... All that kind of really works for me really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely, I think we both would recommend this movie. Um, uh, I, I think it's really fun. I think it's really funny. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I, I think it's got a, at least for me, like a really good first half. Like I said, the slasher stuff, it's a little hit or miss. But in the end, I think it makes up with its great ending. And hopefully this gets more people to watch Ty West movies. His movies are great. I love all his stuff. Uh, House of the Devil, really good. Greta Gerwig's in that. Uh, yeah, The Innkeepers is great. The Sacrament. His VHS segment is fine, but his Western's good, too, in A Valley of Violence. Uh, it's got uh, Ethan Hawke in it, Karen Gillan, John Travolta. Kind of an interesting little cast for, for this 
Western that he filmed in 2016. But yeah, hopefully this is a a gateway into watching more of his stuff because because X is great. I really, really like this movie. It's just been a while since we've seen just a solid slasher like this. Yeah, I like the new Scream. I thought the new Scream was good. I think the messaging was a little just on the nose and a little heavy handed. Yeah, but this one's a little more subtle with its themes, which I, I really, really liked. Mm hmm. All right. Well, if that is all, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at Strange Harbors, and you can also find my review of X on my blog as well. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at The World's OK's Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and uh, Amir's not with us today, but uh, you can find him chained up in our basement. <laughs> if you want to send us any listener mail about this week's episode on Ty West's X, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. We read it on the pod sometimes, so feel free to do that. And with that, that will conclude this week's episode, and we will see you guys next week. See you guys then.